How are we doing today? My name is Gary, and uh, I want to welcome you all out today. We are excited to have you here. Hope that you get something out of this, that your relationship with God today is somehow made better by, uh, by your being here. I don't know about how you guys felt about the singing, but I was back there, and wow! I don't know if I got anything else to say after that. That was some good singing. I think that's awesome, guys. That is, guys, singing is an expression of the heart. I mean, you can be as loud as you want, but it sounds the best when you can tell people's hearts are involved. And that's what I heard when I was sitting in back. And so, guys, that was just cool. Uh, we welcome you out if you're if you're just visiting with us or, or from out of town. Before I forget, Keith Benedict, where are you at? In case you don't know, Keith Benedict is visiting. Keith waved everybody back. Keith uh, used to live here and attended here at Greater Alton and moved to Texas a while back. And he's repented at least for one weekend. I don't know if that has anything to do with the Cardinals being in the playoffs, but this is the way. <laughs> anyway, Tim has been speaking about rooted, about being rooted. And uh, most of you know, our theme here at Greater Alton for the year has been sink down roots and raise up fruit. And so we've been talking about things we should be rooted in. And just a side note about our theme, guys, and I've talked about this, but I'm excited, okay? If you were been around Greater Alton 20 years ago, we've had themes every year, and typically by about May, they were forgotten. Isn't that right? That's the way it was. I feel like we were, uh, you know, uh, we had the attention span of about six-year-olds as a group. And the fact that we are still talking about our theme in October, and we're still focused on it, wow, we're growing up. And it's just very cool to see that. And guys, even more exciting is, I believe, our theme from last year is still talked about some. Where we looked at Second Chronicles 20, 12, where it says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we continue to focus on being a, a group of people that praise more and that trust God more for solving our problems than we can do ourselves. And guys, that's incredibly exciting because I believe in 2014 and beyond, Greater Alton Church will continue to speak of when we look, talk about we want to bear fruit, we want to focus on our roots. And guys, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're talking about being rooted. And Tim has done a wonderful job. Uh, Tim is the main guy around here. He's the one you see up here most of the time. Uh, I just kind of spell him every now and then. Thank you. <laughs> and um, I don't know if I, I don't keep track of such things. I don't know if I spoke in this series or not. I'm real sporadic at being up here. Um, but guys, it's a great series. Tim's talked about being rooted in family and about being rooted in the Word of God. And guys, it is just so true. That if we want to bear fruit the way God says to bear fruit, we've got to focus on what our roots are in. And today, he asked me to talk about being rooted in love. And guys, I was excited about that. If there is one topic that is, when, he, he, when Tim and I were talking, and there's nothing formal about this. Hey, what do you think you could do? You think you could be rooted in love? Oh, I could be rooted in love in a heartbeat. Why is that? Because, guys, God's love is awesome. I don't know how else to put it. How can you not be excited about talking about the love of God? If you know anything about God and you don't get excited about talking about the love of God and about realizing the love of God, something's missing. 
And guys, that's what we're going to be talking about today, and we're excited about it. And so, uh, let's, without anything else, let's go on. If you look in your notes, there's a passage here in Matthew 22. And this passage is when Jesus was asked a question about what is the greatest commandment. And this was his reply. And this is just this amazing passage. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commandments. Guys, Jesus is talking and He says, look, this is what's most important. If you're interested in following God, if you're interested in having a relationship with God, if you're interested in obeying God, you've got to be focused on love. That's what He's saying. You've got to love God and you've got to love people. That is what's most important. Important. In fact, he goes on to say what? Everything else is based on these two things. Everything else, everything the prophets taught, all the commandments of God are based upon love. You take love out of the picture and you are going to be terribly frustrated. If you try to follow God simply by obeying Him and following the rules and don't ever learn or understand the full depth of His love, you're going to miss it. That's what he's saying. You will be frustrated. Obeying God's commandments have a prerequisite, and that's loving God. Now, I find that cool because that's not hard to do. You know that? I mean, it may be a challenge. It may be different for you. But it's not difficult once you, once you understand it. And you see, guys, in Ephesians chapter 3, this is what Paul is talking about for the church there. This is what he says. He says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. As Paul tells the church here that we need to be rooted in God's love. That our roots need to go down deep into His love. And Tim's done a wonderful job about talking about the different roots that we need to have. But guys, when you look at these two passages, I feel like love is the taproot. I mean, the taproot is what goes deep on a tree. It goes down deep to find moisture when there's no moisture near the surface, when times are rough, and it keeps the tree from dying when there's no rain. Guys, without a taproot, a tree doesn't make it very far. Guys, we've got to have a taproot that's into God's love. And you see, guys... Being rooted in love is really a matter of having real faith. That's what it's a matter of. Is the slide going to change? There you go. There it is. Okay. I usually don't pay attention to that. But. Guys, it's a matter of having real faith. Real faith, faith is simply when you look at what God has to say 
and you take action off what it says. It says this, you take action, you believe it. You see now, that the matter of the fact is that even as followers of Jesus, we can have faith that isn't, isn't, isn't based off God's Word completely. I don't know how else to put that. Uh, a few years ago, we read a book. I believe it had something to do with being relationships like Jesus. I remember the guy that wrote it. But uh, the guy that wrote the, the, begin, the foreword, I guess you call it, the beginning of the book, the introduction, he said that all of us have a dominant life value. And what he mean by that is all of us have, have values that influence every decision we make. Okay? You may have an, a, a, a dominant life value of emotional safety. What's that mean? That may keep you from speaking up in certain situations because you don't think, think it's emotionally safe. You may not take a risk either in your career or your job or in relationship because why? It's not emotionally safe. You value emotional safety, so you that influences your decisions. For somebody else, it's, it's, it's money. You know, what's going to help me get the most money, keep the most money? Um, that's going to influence your decisions. You know, I was convicted when I, heard, when I first read about that, that one of one of my dominant life values is comfort. I don't like mind working hard as long as I don't have to sweat. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? I don't mind putting in long hours as long as there's a fan, you know. I just want to be comfortable. Guys, when it comes to our relationship with God, I believe that we also have not even a dominant life value. We have what I call a dominant faith value. And it's something that we get from maybe the Word of God or from our past. And it, we filter everything we read about God through that. Just the same way we do a dominant life value. It influences our faith. And guys, these are things that we trust in instead of God's love. There are things that we put above. If we would have been asked what's the greatest commandment, we would put something else above love. We may say, well, the greatest commandment God said is love. But when it comes to practically speaking, we let these other things, we filter them through it. And we want to talk about those. There are just four things I will try to be very quickly. In the teacher service, I took way too long on these. So I will try to be quick. So I don't have to cut the rest of you short. Um, anyway, the first one that we trust of instead of God's love is traditions. Traditions. Now, traditions, everybody has traditions, whether you know it or not. The holidays are coming up, and I'm sure you have some traditions for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We, uh, at our house, we've been talking some about Thanksgiving. Uh, traditionally, we go to my in-laws on Thanksgiving. And the problem is my grandmother's, I'm not grandmother, my mother-in-law is getting up in age, and it's difficult for her to feed 20-some people and to do all the preparations for that. So my wife and I were talking and we said, we think we should have Thanksgiving at our house this year. And my daughter spoke up and she says, it's not Thanksgiving if we don't go to Grandma's. It's not Thanksgiving if we don't go to Grandma's. That's all she would keep saying. We're going to Grandma's for Thanksgiving. And she has volunteered to do, help Grandma with the food, correct? Okay. And she's a great cook. But what, what Jesse's saying, this tradition is too good. We've got to do it. If we don't do it this way, what? Thanksgiving won't happen. Thanksgiving won't exist. It won't be the same. 
Guys, that's a harmless tradition. Okay? But we all, we do things that way. You see, when it comes to our relationship with God, we can have traditions too. We can have things that we, that just sound like good ideas. And we trust those instead of trusting in the love of God. I don't know how else to put that. You know, we have traditions. One of our traditions here at Greater Alton, and I'll use this time to explain it, is our PowerPoint. Okay? This is how we do things around here. We have a PowerPoint every week. It don't look as good as it usually does this week. Because somebody, it was oversight, somebody didn't do it, and somebody threw it together real quick. And they were talking to me beforehand, and they said, Gary, we don't don't have PowerPoint. Somebody forgot to do it. It's okay. God didn't say we had to have a PowerPoint. You know, we would exist fine without a PowerPoint. Okay? We don't have to have a PowerPoint. But whenever, if we said that, if we, there are certain things that, that groups of people, churches do over and over and over again. And when it comes to changing it, they can't let go of it. They can't let go of it. Even if it gets in the way of loving. Even if it gets in the way of doing what God says. Guys, there's traditions like that. This is the way Jesus said it in Matthew 15. I got those references there if you want to look at them on your own. But he said this, he goes, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? The people in Matthew 15, they had traditions, religious traditions that they valued more than they valued what God said. They had a choice. One of their their dominant faith value was traditions. And when Jesus challenged those, they couldn't let go of their traditions. They couldn't do it. Second one, guys, is personal performance is personal performance. You know, guys, we all have a list of things that we think we should do, things that we think that we shouldn't do. And we look at that list for comfort sometimes. I remember one time I had a conversation with a friend and he was having a frustrating time. He said, you know, I used to think I could check off enough boxes. You know, and he was just saying, well, I used to, I got this list. And I used to think, man, I'm doing the right stuff. I'm not doing the wrong stuff. And I, I don't feel good. That's not a relationship with God. That's not what it's about. Guys, relationship with God is a love relationship. It is a father-child relationship. That is what it's based on. In Matthew, or not in Matthew 18, in Luke 18, there's a story of a man called a rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and says, well, you know the commandments. Well, first it says it looked at him and loved him. He says, you know the commandments. And he lists off five of the ten commandments. and And the man goes, I've done all those since I was a child. That's he, The excitement isn't expressed in the text there. That's me. I think he said it that way. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it says the man went away sad because he had great wealth. And he wasn't willing to do it. You see, guys, he had a list. What should I do? Oh, I've done those things. And when Jesus got to a heart issue, he said no. You see, guys, we all have a list of how we're doing. We all have a list. Of what we're doing. And we usually compare that list with other people, don't we? 
I was talking to a friend this week, and that's what he said. Oh, yeah, I, I've got my list. And I appreciate his honesty. You know, he's going, I don't see myself as bad as somebody else. My list of things that I do wrong ain't the same as somebody else's. Guys, you can't trust your personal performance. You see, you know what happens when you trust your personal performance? You need to go to God for something. You need to talk to God about something. And you know you've been blowing it. You know you've been involved in sin. You know you haven't been living the way He wants you to live. And you won't go to God. You're afraid to go to God. You see, guys, that's your tradition. You're trusting your personal performance. You see, because earlier in Ephesians 3, you know what it says? It says that we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence because of what Jesus did. You see, and if you go, man, there's times where I just don't feel like I should go to God, or I don't feel worthy. God says different. See, you can trust the love of God because that's what Jesus died on the cross and giving you the audience with the Father is all about. Or you trust your personal performance. You look at how you're doing. The next one, guys, that you can trust is a group performance. You trust how you're, and specifically, that's how your church is doing. How your group is doing. I read an article this week. Uh, of a guy was asking the question of what's happened to the churches of Christ. You may or may not know it. Greater Alton has its heritage or roots, if you will. We came from a traditional church of Christ. That's what the main leaders here, where their faith started. And we're influenced by that. Though we don't have a lot of connection with other churches of Christ. It's another story. Um, he was asking the art, what's happened to it? And basically, if you go through this article, there was this mentality of, the, of, of trying to get the church to all think the same and look the same. Is really what it was about. And you can just you read between the lines there, and there's people who trust their relationship with God because they go to the right church. Because that church does things the right way. And when they get in, it's crazy some of the stuff that people argue about over that. But you look at that, guys. Your relationship with God doesn't have anything to do with what's going on with the person next to you. Or with us as a whole. This church, and I don't believe we're off track. I don't believe that in any way, shape, or form. I love the direction we're going. I believe God's leading this church. Okay? But if it wasn't, that doesn't stop you. Okay? That doesn't stop you. There's a, there's a, there's kind of a, something we deal with around here quite a bit. It's coming up. And again, it gets back to what we're talking about, of trusting the way we do things. And somebody will say, well, why, we should do such and such. And we say, okay, well, why aren't you doing it? Well, because a leader hasn't planned it. And, and the common response is getting to be, why don't you plan it? And you kind of get this blank, that ain't how we do things. And we're trying to free you. Okay? Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. And there's freedom in Christ. That's what, that's what the Bible teaches. The last one, guys, and this really goes with the first one. Uh, it should have been put there next to it, but I didn't um, think of that till 5.30 this morning and it was too late. But that is ministries and methods. Ministries and methods. You see, guys, there's a certain way we do things. And we get used to it. And we, once it works, we expect it to work all the time. 
When you go through the Bible, I love the stories of the Old Testament. I love the stories of people trusting God and Him bringing about tremendous victories. There was a lot of physical wars, nations going against other nations and battling against each other. And God's people were repeatedly outnumbered and outgunned, if you will. And God came through for them on repeated occasions. But if you go through it, I challenge you. This is something, maybe, maybe if I get some more time, I retire or something, I can go through this and look at this. But rarely do you find God bringing about victory the same way twice. Do you know that? I mean, you go through the great battles of the Bible, and I'm just going to go through a handful of them real quick, and you have different things happen. The Battle of Jericho, he tells them, I want the whole nation to march around the city of Jericho once every morning for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven, seven times, blow the horns, and the walls will fall out, and you'll win. And it did. Tremendous victory. Okay, another time they're fighting, they're, fighting, uh, they're, they're fighting the Philistines, and there's a giant out there, and God sends a little boy with a rock to kill the giant, and they have a great victory that day. That's the only time I know of a little boy with a rock hitting a giant in the head. It, it never happened. It's not recorded. Okay, we don't know. Another time, in, in 2 Chronicles 20, where we got our theme from last, last year, they don't know what to do. There's several nations allied against them. And God goes, God, go out to battle. After seeking God, they go, go out to battle. You won't have to fight this battle. So they put the singers in the front of the army. They're so Honestly, they're so confident. And when they get to the field of battle, all these nations have turned against each other, and there's a sea of dead bodies. Don't remember... Why didn't he do it that way all the time? That's the best way right there. You don't have to fight. 